Hello, Podcast Nation, and welcome to The Real Deal on Mortgages with Josh. Welcome back to another episode of The Real Deal on Mortgages. Today I'm going to be speaking with Megan again. Sorry for any confusion from the last one, uh, but with the holidays around, and as I say holidays, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, we did have a mix-up, and Robin was unable to be with us today, but fortunately we have Megan in the office, and she's going to step in and talk to us today about buying with a low credit score. So sit back, relax, and get ready for The Real Deal. All right. Welcome back, Megan, to The Real Deal on Mortgages. Thanks, Josh. So today we're going to talk about buying with a low credit score. So the first thing I think we should talk about is what do you consider a low credit score? Well, I I think it depends on where you look or what you read on different scores can be considered different things but so basically credit scores run from like 850 to 300 anywhere in there um, in that range is where your credit score could be Um, some things you read say like a 650 and below is considered low some um, below a 620 again depends on kind of what you're looking at Um, I would say for mortgage purposes, there are loan programs that will allow you to go down to a 580 credit score. Perfect. I think that's really good. And that kind of gives us a general idea. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there to get your credit score now that you can access it, like Credit Karma or FreeCreditReport.com, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's one. So, think so. so you have pretty, uh, I think most people when they're looking at buying a mortgage have a pretty good idea of what their credit score is at. How does a credit score, like a lower credit score, affect someone trying to get a mortgage? Um, in a lot of different ways. I would say um, the first is just whether or not you meet that minimum requirement to qualify for a loan, period. So again, being above that 580 is probably the biggest place to start. However, just because say you have a 581 credit score doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get approved for a mortgage. Um, but I think that's a, you know one of the big parts when you're looking at approving a loan or when an underwriter is looking at approving a loan. Um, credit score definitely does make a big difference. Um, another piece being what your interest rate is going to be. So the lower your credit score is, the more of a hit to the rate you're going to have. Um, so that's going to push your interest rate um, higher, the lower credit score that you have. Certain loan programs are going to have different minimum requirements. So example, there's like grant programs out there that require Um, you to meet a minimum credit score to qualify for the grant. So um, just something to keep in mind is that just because you, you know, necessarily have a 580 doesn't mean you're you're golden for all loan (laughs) programs out there. But yeah, no, I think that that's really good. And, you know, even kind of talking about that, the inability to qualify at all for a mortgage uh, if, you know, you don't hit those minimum requirements and fortunately we have some flexible guidelines over here that we get to work with you know we don't have any overlays we always talk about that which is uh is really nice but sometimes those people that are under what what's qualified for the mortgage 
uh, you know, it's just, it can be a stopping point for us. And then we have to look at other resources to maybe look at increasing their credit score. It's a huge factor on uh, getting approved for a mortgage. I would also just add that there are a lot of different pieces to the puzzle that you look at when approving someone for a loan. So um, maybe there are other offsetting factors that make a loan approvable with a lower credit score. So say you have a lower credit score in that you know 580 something range, but um, your debt to income ratio is really low and you've been on your job for a long time and you have a lot of money in the bank and um, you have a co-borrower that might have a higher credit score. All of those things are also going to factor into the um, you know, approval process of the loan too. So. Sure, sure. Awesome. And what does an increased interest rate do? So I think most people, this is kind of one of those where have a general idea on what an interest rate's, you know, the effect that it has on your loan. But uh, can you kind of just go through those quickly and maybe we can mm-hmm. talk a little bit more on that? So um, obviously the higher the interest rate on your loan, the higher your monthly payments are going to be because um, that's just you know going to make those payments on that principal and interest part of your mortgage higher when you have a higher interest rate, um, which can also affect you know how much you're approved for because if you have a higher interest rate that's pushing that payment higher, your total debt ratio is going to be higher. Um, And also just obviously the cost over the life of the loan. Um, When you have a higher interest rate and you're paying more interest in every month when you're making that mortgage, your overall, um, you know, payment of the loan is going to be higher with a higher interest rate. So the cost to you is higher. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, something I didn't say before we started this podcast is uh, Megan's here with me today uh, because Robin's actually on vacation with the holidays. Uh, we kind of had a few surprises over here and things are actually pretty busy during this season. So it's a good thing, uh, but it does affect the time that I have to make these podcasts. So Megan was kind enough to join us today and fill in for Robin, uh, but I apologize for uh, for any confusion that there might be out there but Megan's doing a great job and this is going to be fantastic so uh, next question that we have before we get into our glorious scenarios I feel like people are loving these scenarios that we're doing because that's where we get into the real deal Megan so (laughs) okay so last question should someone wait if they have a lower credit score so if you know if somebody is right at that 581 you know what kind of conversation do you maybe have with them that would determine you know whether they should wait or whether they should buy well here's the brilliant answer right it, well it depends is really the answer but i mean i'll go into that a little bit more so um i would say i guess it kind of depends on why your credit score is where it is you know kind of what's going on in your life that caused it to get there Um, Is the credit profile getting better now? Are you in a good situation with everything going on? You know, do you have the stable job? Do you have money? Does does the rest of it make sense? Is it the time in which you need to buy a house? You know, then maybe maybe it is the right time even though your credit score is lower. Um, If you can qualify for a loan and it's, you know, makes sense for you and your life and it's a time in which you need to do something like that, then then I think it could be a good time Um, and you wouldn't necessarily need to wait. Um, However, 
There would obviously be advantages to if you are able to wait or want to wait and work on building up that credit score, which I think Josh is going to get into some tips on that on another podcast on what to do. But, um, um, you know, the, the higher your credit score, possibly the more you could get, you might be able to get approved for more or get a better interest rate, um, different things like that, that there could be advantages to, to waiting. Um, so yeah, again, it kind of depends on your situation, but I definitely think that um, if you have an idea of where your credit score is and you're wondering, um, you know, is now the right time? I think it never hurts to talk to anybody. Um, give one of us a call and, you know, uh, let us take a look at what's going on and, and then, you know, give you a game plan if now is not the right time. We definitely like to work with people to help them get themselves in the situation that they want to be in. So Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm, I'm going to kind of go into something that you, you just jump in and stop me if you feel like I'm going too far off track. But with this, if, if somebody should buy with a lower credit score, I kind of want to talk, I guess, about the numbers too. Because a lot of people, you know, they've been hearing these rumors about interest rates going up and, um, you know, should I buy now or should I wait? Even, you know, not even based off of credit score, just off of what's happening with our interest rates. And, I mean, the... Once again, we don't know what's going to happen with interest right. rates Nobody in the future. Nobody has that crystal ball. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So somebody buying with a lower, you know, lower credit score right now could still qualify for a competitive interest rate. But as interest rates could increase, so really you don't know uh, with that either, and that kind of gives you a little bit more information, I guess to, you know, as like a, a benefit, you know, waiting, you just don't know. We are in a, in a still a pretty good rate right. environment right, right now. And so it still might make sense. And I, I suppose you would, you know, even if you bought with a lower credit score and took a little bit higher of an interest rate and rates did continue to stay where they are and you improved your credit down the road, it doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't look at refinancing at some point to get yourself you know, maybe into a different loan program to remove uh, mortgage insurance or something like that. I think that, yeah, there's still options out there for when your credit score does go up too. Again, you'd have to qualify at that time. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I agree that right now is, is still a positive rate environment. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of the refinancing, I think that's a good thing to talk about too is I mean, you get to a certain certain point. I mean, at least even with a higher interest rate, you're still building equity. So if you're going from like renting mm -hmm. to buying, mm -hmm. I think buying is still a, a really good option because you still have you're still building towards something. So there's like a few things that you need to look for when somebody's looking at buying. Like, are they planning to stay here? Like you were saying, consistency in a job, um, planning to live in the house for you know an extended amount of time. If you're still building that equity, you're still in a better situation than if you're renting also, you know, mm -hmm. even with that higher interest rate. So as long as I feel like, you know, you're you're working towards a long-term goal or you can still afford that house that you want, you know, it gets a little more hairy when you're talking about, you know, different commissions and things that are if the person needs to like turn around and sell the house and buy something else. That's right. kind of a different scenario, but right. but at least you're still working to build equity, and you know that refinance might be more available if you're you increase your credit score and interest rates go down. I mean that's that's kind of a no brainer, I guess, at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. I think it's a good point if someone's on the fence about okay, so you're renting right now, 
um, and you're just not sure whether or not you could qualify or whether or not it makes sense, that's when I think it's worth a phone call. Like, don't, if you know, like, maybe you've had some things in your credit, and I know we're going to go into some specific scenarios to kind of give you guys an idea, um, but if you know maybe you've had some different things go on in the past, you know, and your credit history isn't that great, but you're working on it now or want some want some tips on that, I think it's worth a phone call to somebody just to, just to again, look at um, your situation now and, you know, whether or not it makes sense or what we can do. I think don't hesitate to reach out because we, we really want to help. For sure. Um, so, and yeah. our service is there. They're free, free, yeah. free credit help from us. I mean, <laughs> just call us, and we'll try to get you on the right track. So, perfect. Uh, and now into our scenarios, Megan. Okay. So, should they or could they buy? I'm going to give you a few lists, a uh, few uh, items of things that we see come up after we pull somebody's credit and you know just kind of those things that maybe somebody thinks would prevent them from buying a house and just give us a general idea or response of you know kind of how we view it versus maybe somebody else looking at it so okay so first one if someone has a foreclosure or bankruptcy in their past should they or could they buy um yes they could buy it depends on how long ago that event on your credit happened so um looking at someone who's had a past foreclosure or a past bankruptcy doesn't mean you can't get a mortgage um, down the road there are what we call seasoning requirements for different loan programs meaning you have to wait so long after that event and have you know, made on-time payments since then going forward sure. um, within a certain, and you're talking, you know, some, we're talking years here, but um, but again, it doesn't necessarily mean because you've had a foreclosure or bankruptcy that you can't get a mortgage. It just, you have to wait those seasoning requirements and then make sure that you're making your payments from there going forward on time. Awesome. Uh, I feel like that's one that is definitely misunderstood in our industry. And if, if you do have that in your past, give us a phone call and we'd be happy to explain those seasoning requirements to you. All right, another one. A few over 30-day late credit payments over the past couple of years. Should they or could they buy? Well, I think that just um, brings up another point and that maybe people don't understand how late payments even work on credit, right? So um, a late payment isn't reported to the credit bureaus unless you're more than 30 days past your um, due date on that payment. So um, obviously there's probably like late fees and things like that associated, but it's not reported late to the credit bureau unless you're more than 30 days past your due date. Um, so that's when it's going to show up as a late payment as far as when we're looking at a credit um, report. So kind of just wanted to throw that out there. But then um, the answer on that one is kind of, well, it depends. Like if you've had a few, um, you know, late payments on, say, you know, credit cards or things like that, like you said, Josh, it's going to hurt your credit score. So it kind of depends on on what it's done to your score. But I don't, I, I don't think, again, it's not a... It's not a for sure, oh no, I shouldn't even look at this now. It's something you you could definitely take a look at and see where your credit's at um, 
and again, focus on making those on-time payments going forward. Yeah, and it's something that we can kind of help people through that and come up with that game plan, like we've said a few times. Perfect. And how about a few day, uh, 30-day late mortgage or rent payments over the past couple years? Is there a difference between those two? Yes. So I would say that when an underwriter or even a desktop underwriter, it, meaning an automated system, is looking at it, it looks at a, a late payment on a mortgage or a rent payment as a more adverse or negative um, negatively viewed event on your credit rather than just like a credit card um, because again they're looking at your credit history and what you've done in the past as far as making payments on time to determine whether they think you're going to make your payments on time going forward so obviously having a late mortgage or rent payment is going to reflect negatively when they're thinking um, are you going to be able to repay the new mortgage that you're trying to get approved for. So again, does it necessarily mean no, you can't get approved? No, um, I mean, you. it's another like case by case scenario in those cases. I will say that most of the time they wanna see 12 months of on-time mortgage and rent, but again, it depends on the scenario, so. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a really good answer and we talked about kind of before this that it's, uh, it's underwriter discretion, right? Yeah, so. exactly. So there's no hard and fast rule um, because there are all of those pieces to the puzzle and it kind of, the answer is kind of, it depends. Yep. But yep. I guess our point in this is saying that it's not an automatic no. So if you've had an event like that happen on your credit and you're thinking, oh, I, I certainly can't get approved for a mortgage, we don't want you to think that way. Yeah, great. And, uh, I kind of I want to sing a song here, but I feel like it's no, I, I don't think I can. But I feel like we need to flip it and reverse it because you oh, you said uh, <laughs> you said adverse uh, <laughs> things on your credit. Sorry, don't don't, don't judge me. But um, you said adverse credit, and we also something that comes up pretty frequently. This isn't in our scenarios. We're kind of backing out here. Uh, we talk about compensating factors a lot in yes. the mortgage industry. So when we're talking about all of these different things, these are kind of like adverse things that are on your credit that are like our negative things that are, are seen on a credit report. But we also are looking for like compensating factors that are like good things. And that's kind of like this balancing act we're talking right. about is it's, you know, does the, the positive outweigh the negative to make that underwriter think that, you know, you can make your payments on time, you can ha like pay back your mortgage uh, effectively and like you know there's not going to be a negative impact to the bank that's you know giving you this mortgage mm -hmm. so that's that's just something I, I guess I wanted to explain is you know we're talking about all these negative things but something you should be aware of is I mean if you have a lot of money in the bank if you've been you know making most of your like recent credit card payments on time you're showing improvements uh, in your credit that can also be kind of a compensating factor to maybe make some of that stuff that's happened in your past not look as bad you know the right. people can see that trend and we can kind of track it through your credit report to get a general idea it's a, it's kind of amazing actually what we can see in a person's life and you know sometimes we have to get those letters of explanation yeah, that's and it's just say. like you know you can see when somebody has in 2015 a bunch of late payments right. and different things like what happened and then as soon as that person explains what happens it's like oh totally it makes, makes sense. sense right 
So if you have those compensating factors, we can see that trend. You definitely shouldn't just automatically think, I can't do it. Please reach out to us because, you know, if, you, you know, if we can make it happen and it makes sense, we're going to do whatever we can to push forward with it. Right. All right. Flip it and reverse it back into <laughs> scenarios. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. All right. So next one, mounds of collections, but they are from a long time ago and are currently being paid. So it's kind of just that's that's my scenario. But in general, just kind of how are collections viewed when looking at the loan process? Mm-hmm. So collections um, are obviously a negative impact on your credit score again. Um, and those stay on your credit report for a long time. Um, so even though, say, it was from three years ago or five years ago, it could still be on your credit report even though you've paid it um, because things negative things stay on your credit for a long time. So that's kind of something we should highlight too. Um, it's not necessarily still impacting your credit score, but um, it's still showing up that it happened, I guess is the way I want to say that on your credit report. Um, I also think a lot of the um, collections that you see on credit reports are medical collections. It's a pretty common thing for people to have and um, medical collections are sometimes looked at differently than other types of collections. Um, again, I think because they are so common and usually those happen, like you were talking about Josh, if like an underwriter asking for letters of explanation. What does that mean? Like they want to know what happened that you had this event happen on your credit report where you maybe had late payments or things went to collections. They want an explanation as to was it uh, because you lost your job or you were sick or things like that. Something that's explainable and like a, a rare occurrence or and that's so that they can see like that's not the situation that you are in now, and why did it happen then? So um, I think medical collections are one of those things that are usually more, more understood because usually there's something going on in your life that causes those. So those are maybe not looked at as negatively as other types of collections. Um, so I think sometimes people think, oh, I have a bunch of medical collections. I definitely can't get approved. Well, that's not necessarily true. Again, it's, it depends, but um, that shouldn't stop you from at least reaching out and asking the question. Um, yeah, does that kind of cover what we wanted yeah, on that part? I think that, I think that gets it all. And last scenario, uh, and this is kind of a little bit of a change of pace here, but how about somebody with a lot of credit card debt and maybe some serious student loans? I feel like, you know, most of our first time home buyers, we see this, you know, mm -hmm. they're right out of college, got a lot of debt with their student loans, maybe had to rack up a few credit cards. Uh, how is that kind of viewed and how does that affect somebody getting a mortgage? Um, well, it's, so it depends on credit cards are not necessarily a bad thing to have. Um, as long as you're making your payments on time and keeping your, your balance, like your month to month, what's being carried over, keeping that low, um, that's not a bad thing to have because it's showing that you can make on-time payments. It's positive credit reporting. Um, so it's not necessarily viewed as a negative thing, again, um, as long as you're making those payments on time, but you would be considering those debts into your total debt ratio when looking at 
um, getting a mortgage. So that's just something to keep in mind. You're looking at your the minimum payment is what we're counting into that debt ratio. So that's just another factor in getting approved for a mortgage. Um, and then as far as student loans go, I mean, who doesn't have student loans these days? I feel like so <laughs> most people do, yeah. um, especially like you said, the younger people who are um, maybe first time home buyers. I think you shouldn't let it deter you from trying to get approved. Um, it Student loans are diff- looked at differently depending on the loan program. So um, even if you're maybe in deferment or things like that, um, it's looked at a little bit differently in the mortgage world. Um, that could be like, I could talk till I'm blue in the face about all the different <laughs> oh, guidelines on student loans. And they're constantly changing, so it probably wouldn't even be worth it. But um, I feel like just because you have a lot of student loans, again, I feel like we keep saying this, but uh-huh. don't let that deter you from you know, trying to, to see what you can qualify for. Or just to call and ask questions about, you know, this is what I have on my credit. What do you guys think? Things like that. Scenario questions, obviously, we're mm-hmm. happy to help try yeah. to look at the big picture for you. No, definitely. And I mean, <laughs> student loans are basically like a mortgage anymore. I mean, it's people have those. You know, if you get on the income-based repayment or something like that, you're talking about 20, 25, you know, 30 years paying on your student loans. So, you know, it, we're saying don't don't wait because, I mean, gosh, if you wait, I mean, we're talking about a long time before <laughs> before you have to worry, like not worry about those student loans too. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of time within that period to kind of, you know, hopefully build a lot of equity in a house and maybe you'll build enough equity where you could just, you know, pay off your student loans, refinance, pay off all your student loans. (laughs) Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it does sound great. All right, cool. Well, that's all the scenarios we have today. Did you have anything else you want to talk about, Megan? Anything else you can kind of think of that has to do with credit? Um, I think that if you are someone who, again, has had Um, something negative impacting your credit in the past to not get discouraged. Um, Building credit back up, which I know Josh is going to highlight in a a future podcast, but it does take time, um, but it is doable. I think one of, you know, some of our favorite things to do are to help people to, to get that credit score back up and um, or to be able to tell someone who didn't think that they could get approved that, yes, we are, and here's why. Or maybe just do these couple of things and we can get you there. So I think don't be discouraged if that's where your credit is. I think it's important to know the right things to do to help yourself and get yourself in that better situation. And there are people, just know that there are people out there that want to help you with that game plan. And the first step is reaching out and getting started. I think a lot of times people just you know, feel like, oh, I I was turned down somewhere, or I know my credit score is bad, or so they just stop, and they don't necessarily do the things that can get them in the right places. So um, I guess, yeah, that's my last little pitch is like, you know, if you know your credit score is bad, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't start working so that you can get yourself there. So um, reach out to Josh or myself, and we would be, we would be more than happy to help. Cool. Love it, love it, Megan. And I will include Megan's uh, link to her Facebook page in the show notes below. Uh, She gave all of her contact information the last time she was on. But if you would like to speak with Megan, she's awesome. She knows a ton about this stuff. And I'm sure she would be more than willing to help all of you as well. So 
thanks for joining us today. I know this is kind of an oddball one, uh, kind of mixing it up a little bit. And this is just going to be kind of a little bit more raw, I guess, than some of the other podcasts we've done. But with the holidays, we just have to adapt and overcome and make it work. So thanks for joining us again, Megan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Everybody have a happy new year.